Good morning. <clears throat> Grab your full page outline if you would. It's in your brochure today. I'm excited about all of today and all of the working parts that we had going on in our worship together experience this morning. One of the things that I failed to do last week that I wanted to acknowledge today is make sure you say congrats to Aaron Linhoff for graduating. Yeah, SDSU. We we get excited and very proud of our college students, high school students, when they step through that graduation process. I know parents, you do too. It's like you, hey, you have all this buildup of all these years, and finally they're there, and you're like, yes, you know, and that's kind of the way we feel as well, and so we wanted to acknowledge that today. You know, today we begin this brand new series, and um, to gain some context really to gain some understanding, I want us to look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 22. And if, if you're new to Pathway Church or kind of the format that we do, one of the things that I like to do when we step into new series is kind of have an introduction week. And so today is kind of the introduction to what we're going to be talking about probably for about the next eight weeks or more, um, really setting up for us today uh, the, the, the focus, the central focus of what Jesus wants us to catch. So take a look, Luke chapter 22. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. They went off to the city, found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Passover comes from what God established with the people of Israel on the night that they were released from Egyptian bondage and slavery. They had been involved in slavery and in bondage for over 400 years, and God set them free on a particular night. He used Moses as their leader, and so God was establishing something new. He was doing something new, and God gave Moses some instructions to tell the people specifically about what's called Passover. Take a look, Exodus 12. This is a day to remember each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate Passover as a special festival to the Lord. So God was forming this new group, this new community, this new tribe. God was giving structure to this group of people, and God introduces a covenant with them, commandments, if you will. Take a look at Exodus 20. God gave the people all of these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must uh, not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord your God. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. And then we read in Exodus 31 that when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the what? Covenant. Now we call it the what? The Ten Commandments. But here in Scripture, we see that this word is used, covenant. It's a word that God uses. It's a relational covenant between God and his people. It's real important for us to catch that today. Uh, very similar to a modern contract, the covenant had terms and conditions. And so we see in Exodus 24 that Moses repeated 
all of the instructions the Lord had given him, and all the people answered with one voice, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So God set up this covenant with his people as he's forming this new people group. He set up this covenant and the people agreed to the terms of the covenant. Everybody with me? Everybody follow that? Okay. So returning back now to our narrative in Luke 22, we're told that when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. What are they doing? They're celebrating Jewish Passover just like they do every year, just like what God told the people to do generation after generation every year to celebrate Jewish Passover. And during the meal, we're told that Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Moses. Oh, wait, it didn't say that, did it? Do this in remembrance of the Passover. No. What's it say? Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this is the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. Instead of remembering Egypt, instead of remembering Moses, Jesus tells these very Jewish men to forget what they had been taught and what they had done all of their lives. He says, forget that, but remember me. Celebrate this, the bread, and now we're going to see the cup, and remember me. Not Passover, not Egypt, not Moses, me. Jesus tells them that from now on, the bread that used to mean something in Passover now represents his body. And the cup that represented the blood of the Passover lamb, take a look. After supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new, what's that word? Covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. There is a big word there. I already emphasized part of it, but there's a big word. Jesus says, this is the new covenant. Come on, read it with me. The new covenant between God and his people. New, that's the big word, new. I want you to circle that word on your outline. Would you do that on that page that you have? Just circle it, because, or if it, even if you're following along in your Bible, circle or underline that word, because that is so important for us to catch today. It comes from a Greek word that means fresh, fresh in development. It means new in quality. It means never found exactly like this before. It means unlike anything else, new. So Jesus was saying that this is a completely new covenant. Don't miss this. Jesus is saying, I'm not adding on to the old one. He, he's, he's, he's saying, I'm not upgrading the old covenant. This is not Judaism 2.0. This is new, brand new. Jesus introduces a new covenant, and what this does is this signals the end of the old covenant because now there's a new one. Everybody follow that? 
So important for us to get that. This new covenant had new terms and new conditions, just like the old one had terms and conditions, which were the Ten Commandments. Now this new covenant is going to have some new terms and new conditions. The funny thing is, interesting thing, is people should have seen this coming. I mean, Jesus all along the way was revealing that, that, you know, through his teaching and through what he was doing, he was showing, he was hinting that something new was coming, that this was going to be different than it used to be. Jesus was making his way through villages and teaching and healing people, but the Jewish religious leaders didn't want Jesus to gain so much influence, and so they would try to discredit him in front of the crowds. So they would send their underlings to try to trick him and trap him with his words. They would come with questions, loaded questions, trying to trap Jesus. So one day, an expert in religious law tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of what? Moses. So so what's he talking about? In the law of Moses, what's he talking about? He's really talking about the Ten Commandments. Teacher, tell me what's the most important in the, in the law of Moses, the most important one. Just help me out here. Give me the cliff notes of the Ten Commandments. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Isn't it interesting? That's the passage that I read earlier for our child dedication, for grace. Comes right out of the, the Moses' writing, his, his command. His, he's telling people, you've got to love God with everything. And Jesus says, yes, that's the most important right there. You need to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And, and the, I'm sure this expert in the law, he was like, good answer. That's, that's a really good. And Jesus said, oh, wait, wait, I'm not done. Wait, what? No, I'm not done. He says, and a second is, what's that next word? Equally important. Keep in mind, this is, not, this is not second in order or in priority. This, I'm sorry, this is second in sequence. So Jesus is saying these are equal. So you love God with everything, and now he says the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this is new. Jesus was introducing a a huge shift in orientation. The focus was not only vertical now, it's changing. In fact, it's interesting. In Jewish religious system, it was a vertical focus only. Vertical only to God. That's what you were most concerned about. Maybe this is the kind of religious system or church system or understanding spiritually that you grow up with, that, that you grew up with. A, a, a kind of person that would claim to be good with God, but at the same time be a jerk to people. You ever meet people like that? Hopefully you're not being nudged by somebody next to you because you know, you wouldn't want to be that, right? But, but it's true. There, you know, a person who says, yeah, yeah, I'm good with God, but man, at work, they're the worst person to be around. At home, they are the worst person to be around. I'm good with God. I go to church. I give some money. I read my Bible. Yeah, but what about how you treat your wife and kids? Yeah, but what about how you treat others around you every day? It just doesn't add up. Jesus says, this is changing. This vertical thing, this vertical focus only is changing. Jesus says that now there must be a vertical and a horizontal focus. If you want to follow God, Jesus says, 
that you must love God and love people. Say that with me. Love God, love people. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them. Love God, love people. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? So, so look at how he concludes this. This is an, an amazing thing. He says, Jesus says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets. So what is he saying there? The law and all of the prophets, what is that? That's Jewish scripture. He's saying all of the Old Covenant, all of the Old Testament as we would know it, all of the Jewish scriptures, the law and the prophets, all of this is based on these, how many? Two commands. So he's taking 10, which actually the Jewish religious leaders made to be over 612 with all of their regulations, okay? So you got all of these rules that Jesus has now nailed down to how many? Help me out. Two. Two. What were they again? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. So he nailed it down to two. Hmm. So Jesus is changing things, but he's not done. He's not done with this, with this reduction. In John's account of this last meal, the last supper that we were looking at in Luke 22, the writer John gives us a different view, a different perspective. He, he shows us something that Jesus says to his closest followers that we don't want to miss today. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, I give you a what? New commandment. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute, Jesus. Come on, you've already given us, you, you gave us that second one. We were okay with like the one, love God, but now you've added in love God, love others. You took the 10 and all of the other regulations and you brought it down to two, but now you're saying, wait, there's, there's another new one. You keep mixing things up, Jesus. Come on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. I'm getting confused here. You, you brought us down to two, but now there's another. And it's interesting that this word new is the same word that was used before. It's new. It's a new covenant now with a new command. Singular. Hmm. What is it? Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. So, so he reduces everything down to one commandment. Basically what Jesus is saying, I brought you down to two, but now you need to bring the two down to one. Love each other as I have loved you. Oh, he adds a qualifier. Do you see the qualifier? He doesn't just say love each other. Because, to be honest, if we just defined it our own way, I might love you by texting you. I love you, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I'm a loving person because I texted you. No, I'm not saying anything. I love texting, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But is that enough to really show love? No. It's more than that, right? We, we can define love each other however we want to, and every person will be different. Because some of us like to give hugs. Some of us like to push away people, right? You don't want to hug. Some of us like to, you know, the touchy-feely kind, and the others of us are like, give me this hand sanitizer. You know, I don't want to touch you. Now, come on, let's be real, right? We're all different in personality types. So, so defining love each other would be totally different for each one of us. I'm an only child. You might come from a big family. 
Only kids show love differently than kids from big families. It's just, it's just the way we are. Okay, everybody follow that? Sure. So Jesus gives a qualifier. He doesn't just leave it hanging, love each other. He says, love each other. Ready for this? As I have loved you. Get this down on your outline. I am called to love others as Jesus loves me. I am called to love others as Jesus loves me. So so how do we know, how do you know that Jesus loves you? I mean, does Jesus ever stop loving you? What has Jesus done to show you how much he loves you. This is how we're supposed to love each other. Boy, it's getting quiet in this room. Hmm. Jesus, Jesus is saying that we have to love each other to that level, to that degree, as much as he loves us. And you know, if the church could get this right, everything would change. If, if, if we could get this right at home, in our workplace, at school, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, if we could get this right, everything would change. People would see. People would recognize it. People would be aware of it. Jesus says, all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. Hmm. So basically, Jesus says, your love for God is shown by how you go to church. No. Jesus says, your love for God is shown by how religious you are. No. Look what he says. All people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. This is what I want you to get down. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Come on, read it with me. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Come on, let's do it again. Let's put it to memory. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. There's kind of a rhythm to it, right? Let's do it again. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other each other. Wow. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. So what did Jesus just do? He took this very, very complicated religious system (laughs) and he made it simple. I mean, come on. It's far less complicated right now, but let's Let's just be honest. Isn't it far more demanding? I mean, isn't it easier to not take God's name and misuse it than it would be to love somebody that's not very lovable as much as Jesus loves you? I think it is. All of a sudden, Jesus made it simple but extremely demanding. 
I mean, come on. Do you have people in your life that are hard to love like I do? And none of you in this room are in that category for me. I just want you to know, okay? All right? Just, just clarify that. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. We, we work with people. We live with people. Don't nudge or look at anybody near you. We, you know, we know people that they're just hard to love. And Jesus is calling you and calling me to love them. Hmm. So, so this very far less complicated system that Jesus is setting up, if I could call it a system, is far more demanding. Let me, let me show you what I mean by this. If you, if you give me a list of rules, chances are I bet I could find a loophole. Now, come on, let's get real, right? Most of us, we're pretty smart people. Look at the person I can tell them. You're smart. You're smart enough to do this, right? If, if, we, if we gave you a list of rules, chances are you would find a loophole. In fact, the more rules you give me, the more potential I would have for loopholes, right? That's just the way it works. We know this to be true, especially if you're a parent that has survived the teenage years with your kids. You get this. Or if you have ever been a teenager, you get this. I mean, come on. You give some rules to a teenager only to have them say back to you, but you didn't say exactly, right? But, but you didn't make that very clear as if we're supposed to have fine print with our instructions. What exactly, mom, did you mean by inside the house? Dad, what exactly did you mean by no one can come over? Right? You, you didn't specifically say no to me. You, you didn't specifically say that I couldn't go over there. So Jesus walks into this religious environment where people have created all of these loopholes because of all of these rules. And now Jesus says there's only one rule, one commandment. What was it again? Love each other as I have loved you. How much wiggle room is in that one rule? Not a whole lot, is there? <laughs> this new covenant commandment closes all the loopholes. This is brilliant. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think we miss and we underestimate what Jesus is doing here. This is a brilliant move to take all of these religious rules and bring it down to one command. And this is what you got to do. All too often the church misses this. Christians miss this. But one person who didn't miss this, one person that we're going to focus in on for the next several weeks, is the Apostle Paul. And of all the people, Google Apostle Paul. He, he was the, the most Jewish religious person that ever existed. He even calls himself the Jew of all Jews. This dude was, was trying with everything he had to follow all the rules. At least he knew all the rules. He's trying to follow all the rules that were established in the Jewish religious system. 
And he had an encounter with Jesus on this road to the city of Damascus that changed his life. And all of a sudden, he began to realize it's not all about all of these rules. It's about one rule. It's about the fact that Jesus loves me so much that he gave his life for me. And it changed his life to the point where he started teaching and showing people all over the Mediterranean that it's all about love. It's all about love each other as Jesus has loved us. It's interesting, Paul applied this one covenant command to everything he wrote. I mean, look at Ephesians 4.32. Paul says, forgive each other. And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know we're supposed to forgive each other, right? I mean, I mean, we all know that, right? If you're a church person, it's like, oh, yeah. Even if you're not a church person, it's like, yeah, that's the good thing to do. You just, you're supposed to forgive each other. I mean, we know, we know. That's what the Bible says. And you know what Paul would say? What's the Bible? Because the Bible wasn't written then. See, all he's going off of is his experience with Jesus Christ. And look at what he says. Forgive each other just as, oh man, the two most powerful words in the New Testament right there, just as God forgave you in Christ. Question, how much did God forgive you through Jesus? A little bit or a lot? A little bit or all of it? We are called, because we're supposed to love each other, we are called to forgive each other like God has forgiven us. I had it in my notes to ask for a show of hands how many of you are mastering that, but I know none of us would have our hands raised. Because forgiving people is a tough thing, isn't it? Especially when you're hurt. It's hard to forgive. But Paul says, forgive. Wow. Why should we forgive each other? Because the Bible says so? No. Because Paul says so? No. We should forgive each other because we have been forgiven in Jesus. This is what love, love does. The Apostle Paul also wrote this in Romans 15. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. There it is again, the just as. Accept each other. That's what love does. Look at this one, last part of, of what the Apostle uh, Paul wrote here in, in uh, Galatians 6. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Doesn't say laws with an S, plural. Law of Christ. <laughs> what is that? I mean, come on, what is that? Law of Christ. You already know what it is. What is the law of Christ? It's the one command that Jesus gave. What is it? Love each other as I have loved you. So Paul is saying, you should share each other's burdens, and in that, you're going to be fulfilling that command that he gave us to love each other. Now, if you're really confused, we're going to be talking about this and unpacking this for the next seven or eight weeks together here. But all I got to say Jesus has given us one command, and we got to get good at this. It's time. I hope you come back next week. We'll take a look at it. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Jesus, we believe in the things that are written about you.